When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buster. How are you doing today? I'm tired today, Dan. I don't know if you're going to get my usual positivity in this podcast. Oh, there should be no positivity because we're recording about an hour after the initial college football playoff <laughs> rankings came out. And we're going to talk about that later. I know that Emily has no interest because she doesn't believe in the playoffs. She believes in the BCS. Big BCS, BCS. Bring what was back that? BCS. The Bull Coalition. She's a big Bull Coalition person. Uh, I literally read that book, Death to the BCS, and I was so mad. I was like, <laughs> why are we killing this thing to make something way worse? I think the college that's disguised we, as something better, so, but it's not better. We were just talking about this. The issue with the college football playoff, in my opinion, and I think Emily agrees with me, is that it's not that four teams get in or 12 teams or whatever model you want mm-hmm. to be get a shot to win the national championship in a tournament format. It's that's decided by a group of power five athletic directors with one like G5 athletic director thrown in to say, look, everyone has a voice here. And they all go into the room. They they literally talked this time on the ESPN show about how they figuratively and literally left their hats outside the door to show that they weren't going to be biased that inside. Picture it's killed so me. And then like, <laughs> oh my God, it's so bad. And then they walk in there and they do things that are blatantly biased. They walk out. ESPN will go to them like, oh, where'd you put Cincinnati at number six for? And they go, well, they only had that road win at Notre Dame, which was a good win and nothing else. And then they don't go, well, Ohio State's only ranked win, according to you guys, is against Minnesota. And, you know, it's questionable if they should be ranked or not. They don't ask that type of follow-up. They just go, that's great. And you've got uh, Oregon there. And they're like, yep. And they're like, cool. And they move on without, like, a second thought about the team who lost to Stanford being in the playoff. You know what I mean? First of all. I, oh, I'm sorry. forgot. My we're going to have a conversation about that later, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, three and five Stanford doesn't do it for you? No, I don't know. I think Stanford's bad. That's not the point. But Oregon is not as bad as that loss. Like, No, I know they're not, but they still tough. have a loss. But they still have a loss. And I and traditionally that I would be a good because loss. They got, I chose them because they got put at number four, not because of anything directly against Oregon. So you do know what the O on their helmet stands for, right? It's all those national championships. Outrageous. Yeah. Anyways... I also got one for Nebraska because that one stands for knowledge, but they don't know it yet. Uh, anyways. Knowledge yes. just spelled with a K. That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> that they don't know that. This is going to be fun. Uh, I don't want to get sidetracked into that playoff discussion just yet. I do want to oh. say that I also have great respect for Cincinnati, but we'll talk about that after we get through our previews for week 10. Mm-hmm. Um. So instead, we're going to start there, hopefully not get too derailed in the middle when we hit the Cincinnati game, which I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm not going to let you get derailed. I'm going to get derailed. Um, I'm tired. Then we're going to talk about it again at the end. I know you're tired. I still am <laughs> very upset. I hit a long string of angry tweets. And frankly, I'm just happy. No, that... I haven't even been on Twitter. I stayed off Twitter. <laughs> it's not I was like, I can't. I, I can't. I didn't read many other people's tweets. I just kept firing my own out into the void. Um no, I don't get. Let me ask one question before we go into SMU Memphis. I what everyone's making a big deal about the fact that Desmond Ritter did not go on the show when they were they asked him if he would come on to talk about it after or whatever, and he declined. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, it was like they a, had Kenneth this, Walker on instead. He was on for literally thirty seconds. There's no point to it. I mean, I just who like everyone's like, oh, you show him Desmond like why he probably had other stuff to do like practice or school or and he's like he's yeah i'm like dad, I, yeah. I don't think he was i don't think he was like sticking it to anybody i think he was just like living his life and just yeah, he probably you know. probably just didn't have the time for it 
you know, I don't think he was sticking it to anyone. Like he wasn't he told them no, like say, a few days before you know? the rankings came out, probably. <laughs> right, right. And no, I, I didn't I even know, hear about that. I don't think that's sticking it, it to the man or anything like that. Um, Everybody made a huge deal, like, yeah, you you tell him, Desmond Ritter, like, okay, mm-hmm. tell him what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, we will get to some talk on that yes. later. But first, yep. all our games are on Saturday this week, which yes. I know you, I know you're happy about that because so it happy. is. It is tough sometimes when we're going back on like Sunday night, Monday night to record the review podcast. You're like, what happened a week ago? (laughs) Um, Yeah, trying to record, trying to write, trying to do everything before these Thursday night games is very hard. So it's nice to have that extra day or two. I'm just glad we don't cover the Mac because I just turned off the Toledo (laughs) Eastern Michigan game to record this. Oh, no. How was it going well? 14 to 7 Toledo was winning, but Eastern Michigan just recovered a muff punt. So, you know. Here we go. As it goes. Uh, SMU at Memphis, noon on Saturday. Let's get into it before we delay any further. Uh, <laughs> Seth Hennigan is still day-to-day, according to uh, one of the Memphis reporters that I was looking up today to make sure I had that down, uh, which mm-hmm. means I'm thinking Peter Parrish is your likely starter. They're saying that uh, Hennigan is not been able to go through a full practice yet. Uh, which It's his hand, like- right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I read. And uh, on, also on the injury front, Bentley got reheard against Houston, which I think was kind of quiet on that long run that got called back because, uh, huh. because Mordecai's knee was down on the snap. So he's, I'm going to guess not going to play because he's been really banged up all year. And I'm going to assume that they're going to probably dress him and keep him off to try to heal him up and just do it like that. So I guess okay. my question is, the clear weakness on SMU is their secondary. You'd agree with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Peter Parrish, who was not good throwing the ball, but tried to throw it like a thousand times against UCF. Is he able to throw into that SMU secondary? Because <laughs> that's the only time we've really seen Parrish play was against UCF. And he threw like 50 times. You know, what I yeah. mean? he threw a few tough bounce interceptions and a couple bad the balls. And he didn't read pressures well against UCF like anytime they blitzed anything exotic he didn't see it coming got lit up um he's a big strong runner with the ball and he didn't always go down when they got to him but is mm-hmm. he going to be able to exploit that weakness on SMU I don't know I think that because Seth Hennigan's day-to-day we might see him play yeah I'm expect I kind of I'm kind of play because really the way I, the way I heard it with Hennigan was that he's having mm-hmm. trouble going through a full practice and, you know, practice doesn't contain things like contact for a quarterback right. to begin with, let alone an injured one. You know what I mean? Like that to me sounds like he's having trouble throwing the ball consistently and like without it being too sore that he has to stop. So like just the way what I saw was worded said, who knows? You know what I mean? Okay. By, who knows? By I... Parish. I, this is a thing. So SMU's favored five and a half, I think was what I last saw. Is that, I I think it's about, it's okay. I think it's about, it wasn't very much is what it was my point. And I think that's, there's two things. (laughs) Okay. Three things that, and the fact they're coming off this, you know, huge, the way they lost to Houston, it's Mm -hmm. not one of those, Oh, you know, shucks, we lost. It was like dwindling seconds of the game on a play that, like, that's that's about the worst way I feel like you could lose a game like that. So you couple that, and then you couple it with the fact that Memphis, while they have been a wild card all over, you know, the place, they are three and one at home, and they've won the last three at home against SMU. Yes. So I think if you look at all those things together, that makes sense to me why SMU's favored by so little. And I think mm-hmm. that we might see a little chaos in this game and it might be oh, close, yeah. which would be crazy. But I mean, Cincinnati better hope there's no chaos in this game. <laughs> but no, I, my other concerns, I don't think Memphis can get that many stops on this SMU team. I mean, like I said, it yeah. seems like Bentley's banged up, you know, I mean, even more than he had been before. So he, mm-hmm. I don't think will go based on, again, what I've seen, that's not that he's out it's based on, on Tuesday. It seems like he's too banged up to go probably. Um, but I mean, why would I have any thought that Memphis can slow down SMU's passing attack? <laughs> I just don't see why because... I would think that. And with the way Memphis has struggled to run the ball consistently, and mm-hmm. if their quarterback is either out with an injury or playing through an injury, I don't think that Memphis can keep up 
when if and when this becomes a shootout because it will likely become a shootout just the way these two teams are designed yeah it could or SMU so demoralized by all the lack of respect that they just don't play well sure. and Memphis sure. ends up having like one of those games where everything goes right and they have the environment so I, don't know. I just the environment is definitely true because Liberty Bowl is tough to play in yeah. at all times um three and one know. at home for a team that is four not, and four yeah exactly so to me that's my that's my caveat for that so I sure don't. I don't I don't inherently disagree with that but this isn't a big game and SMU wins their non-big games you know, so I don't know. Maybe I, I'm going to go with SMU to win this game. I don't know about you though. It seems like you're kind of leaning Memphis. It's really tough because my gut is to pick Memphis uh, for the chaos, but I am trying not to do crazy things anymore that put me <laughs> in a bad but, spot. So. In terms of yeah, the uh, standings that we've got going. Right. You know what? But I'm, uh, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Memphis. I'm doing right. it. Going with There's not too many that I'm going to go off script here, but that one, I just, I got to get it out of the way. So, all right. That sounds good. All right. Let's move on to our three o'clock kick, which is temple at ECU. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of effort do you think Temple's <laughs> going to come out here with? Because we talked last week before the UCF game that they had about how they needed to start fast in that one. And they didn't like they have an all season. Yeah. They've been a slow starter. Uh, and like I said, in our review show, it kind of feels like they've given up on the season. You know, it almost feels like as a team, mm-hmm. they're just more like they come out and they're just a little bit demoralized to begin with. Do you think they go into ECU saying, Hey, we still have a shot at bowl eligibility on the off chance. We went out basically at this point. Does anyone think, you know, go out there and play hard and fight for it? Or does the ECU, you know, play a better game than they have been. They need to play a clean 60 minutes because they're not doing that. You know what I mean? And yeah, take care of business. I kind of lean towards ECU puts together a clean 60 minutes before Temple comes out and plays hard and fast for any yeah, amount of time, I, the way the season's going. I agree. I don't really think there is anything else to add to that. <laughs> that's a pretty, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's a fair analysis. I just, it's just not Temple's year. It's just not. ECU at home, they did struggle, you know, with USF. For about a half. But yeah. I, right. And I chalked that up to weather. So yeah, they, like, three first half fumbles is going to do that too, which is why yeah. I say, well, I mean, ECU needs to play a clean 60 minutes against the team that they should beat and yeah. prove that they can do that at home because, you know, you should be able to do that at home. But uh, yeah, I don't see a way that Temple comes out and competes in this game to be honest yeah as long as ECU doesn't turn the ball over yeah you know like that obviously that was something they were going to clean up after last week so I think this is a pretty open shut game for mm-hmm. for the Pirates so mm-hmm. yeah only you beat you ECU and I'm assuming I'm going to take ECU I'm assuming you are too based on that conversation yeah. all ECU all right uh 330 uh there's two 330 kicks actually I'm going to start mm-hmm. with Navy at Notre Dame uh this is one of those great traditional rivalries we like to talk about. It's played annually. I, mm-hmm. You don't have to laugh. <laughs> we like to talk about you. I love this, to talk about this. You game. love to talk. I love this game. <laughs> I'll be honest. I do love this game. Uh, but I mean, do you know why it's played every year? No. It's played every year. So in World War II, mm-hmm. uh, the University of Notre Dame was hemorrhaging money because frankly, everywhere was at that time. And they were, looking at having to shut down and the Naval Academy needed places to train, you know, soldiers for this thing that was happening in the Pacific, you know, and uh, basically they came to an agreement, Notre Dame and the Naval Academy, that Navy would pay Notre Mm -hmm. Dame a disproportionate amount of money to use their campus as a training facility during that time. And it was with that money that the university was able to stay open. And so forevermore, they played an annual football game and, Notre Dame basically plays the game at Navy's discretion. When Navy wants to stop playing, Notre Dame will stop playing. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. So it's like a standing thing because of that history to it. Most years, Notre Dame wins the game. Most years, Notre Dame does it pretty easily because of the talent discrepancy we always talk about uh, that Navy has with other teams. And Notre Dame just happens to usually be a top 10 or so team. You know what I mean? So Yeah. uh, Can 
Ken has beaten Brian Kelly a couple of times though, which you don't okay. often see from Navy coaches. You know, he was on the staff that uh, it was Paul Johnson's staff in 2007 that broke like a 44 year streak in a row of Wednesday or sorry, of losses to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. uh, so Ken does know how to beat Notre Dame. Uh, look the other way though. Notre Dame's used to playing the triple option. Like I said, they play Navy every year. They play army and air force every now and again too. Marcus Freeman, the defense coordinator, was at Cincinnati. He's played Navy a couple of times in Army uh, at least once. So, like, there's gonna there's familiarity with the triple there. Uh, I haven't seen an update yet on Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame's All-American safety. His knee mm -hmm. uh, got injured, not terribly, but enough to miss the North Carolina game against USC. Uh, and Notre Dame's running this weird two-quarterback system to be aware of and look out for. Uh, other than that, though, I think it probably comes down to one team's just much more naturally talented than the other. Right. You know, I mean, they know each other well. It's not a shocker. If uh, yeah. I think Notre Dame wins this game, I don't think Notre Dame blows out Navy, but I think Notre right. Dame probably wins it by like two scores. Yeah, I would say that sounds about right. Like it's a bummer because Navy, you know, got a little bit of momentum and looked alive and they're going to go into this. It's tough to play. Well, that, that's what I was saying about this whole stretch of games where they had to play like SMU, mm -hmm. Cincinnati, you know, Houston. Yeah. You know, they have not had it easy. No, not at all. But God, but God bless them and their little heart for, for playing tough and, I, and for actively improving it during that stretch. Right. Too. Exactly. Like getting better at things instead of sinking into the, the, you know, whatever you, you want to call it, Meyer, quicksand. I don't know, whatever you, you want to call wait, it, wait, wait, that wait, temple wait. has fallen you're talking, into. <laughs> you're talking about Navy is sinking. And then instead of into like a bottomless ocean trench, you went with quicksand. No. Yeah, a bog or a mire or like a. But like, why would the navy be in a bog? They would be in the ocean. So if they sink, they're going to sink into the ocean. I just think of those are things I think of when I think of things I also, sinking. I also would. I mean, I don't think anyone thinks of bogs as a place like anyone outside of like Central <laughs> Ireland would use bog as like the first thing that something would sink into. Like a swamp. It was sure. literally that was literally <laughs> the first word I thought of. It's like was my English um, major showing. Yeah. A protected wetland. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'm picking Notre Dame. Yeah, so am I. Uh right. like I said, I think it's just a simple talent thing. There's it's not so much lack of familiarity that they can catch yeah. up with the triple. Uh the other 3.30 game is Tulsa at Cincinnati. College game day is going to be here, and Cincinnati better blow them out by about 50. They better they, beat them so bad that Phil Montgomery like has to be fired. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, again, we'll talk more about the playoff thing later. Cincinnati came out at number six. Gary Barda pointed out that, oh, you only beat Tulane 31 to 12. You know what I mean? Which, you know, that's still a pretty big win in terms of margin. If we're getting into it, I know how they got there. Wasn't the prettiest, mm -hmm. but you, you better make this game look like Tulsa needs to fire Philip Montgomery on the spot and leave him eating skyline, like eating a sad bowl of skyline chili. The funniest thing about this game, I think is that there is a common enemy, common opponent also, in Ohio oh, state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You well, know what I mean? 20. And so 41 to 20 is what Ohio state beat Tulsa by. So do you think that Cincinnati, it has that written down somewhere like, Hey, we have to, at least there's we have one. to best them there's and then one double other, that. Yeah. But there's one other common opponent too, that it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if the committee's eyes because Indiana exists too. And Ohio state beat Indiana better than Cincinnati did, frankly. Yeah. So like, since I gained the bigger one over Tulsa, they'll write off as Ohio State was just finding themselves. And well, you know, the look point at where is they, they are now. The point is that they can't, they need at least to beat one yes. of the teams, but you like they can't go both, you know. Okay. Yeah, you definitely need to beat Tulsa yeah. by a wider margin. Than right. That. Preferably you beat them like 49 to 14 rather than, you yeah. know, something. No, I think Cincinnati drops more than 50 on them. 100%. I think Cincinnati has to. I think Cincinnati has to. I just to think they will do it up. because they can. Tulsa's bad. I mean, we. Yeah, but so is Tulane. Yeah. If we're being fair. honest and fair about that's it. That's fair. This is I wonder who would so win. Different. Who would win Tulane Tulsa? They're going to play. I, I think, still right? think Tulane. They, they must play. I still think they Tulane wins that game. 
I, I would probably pick Tulane right now just because. Right? Yeah, they do. They play like, at Tulsa. Uh, no, you were. The, I'm pretty sure you were saying they weren't going to win that game. I don't know. I don't remember what I said two minutes after I said. <laughs> I'm pretty it, sure. I'm pretty sure you were like looking at Tulane's schedule and you're like, oh, they have one win and it's USF at home. They get Tulsa at I, home too. I probably said one to two wins. No, you said one. You're like they're going to go four and one. Or one and four, sorry, because they play UCF. Anyways, we're going sideways now. Um, The point is Cincinnati is going to drop 50. It's it's sad, but it's true. It doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme, but I hope Jerome Ford goes off and has a day. So I'm picking Cincy. I am too. Do you think there's any chance that uh, Tulsa can make this a game at all? No. I don't. No, I actually right. think we see Davis bring go out. Oh, you think they bench him? I think that it doesn't go well for him and that he may not I mean, finish the game. That's what I think. All right, I don't I love that. Nigel I don't Sanders love that for him. Nigel Sanders is going to Joe Theismann, Davis bring. You heard it. You heard it here first. Emily's predicting a. Uh, I don't love that for him. But injury. <laughs> it feels like it was written in stone already. Like, I don't, I don't want wish that for anybody, but it just feels like that's what's going to happen. So no, I, I, I tell you. I'll be honest. I don't see a world where Tulane or sorry, mm-hmm. where Tulsa has the dogs to keep up with. Since <laughs> they're like the same, they're like the know. same person. <laughs> it's yeah. It's bad. Pretty much. Um, yeah. All right, let's just Speaking move on to this. Tulane, yeah, let's yeah, move on to this four Tulane. o'clock kick. Four <laughs> o'clock, a nice awkward time for a kickoff. Tulane at UCF, <laughs> homecoming at UCF. Great time to be there. <laughs> Go into the pond, bunch mm. of ducks. Everybody gets their ducks. It's a fun time. Uh, I have not seen an update on Pratt's health. He, last I checked, he was still in concussion protocol from that hit that we uh, talked about a little bit. Yeah. Um, not his first concussion of the season either. Let it be noted. Yeah. The so. he took against Oklahoma you're referring to as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Tulane is 104th in the country in rush defense. And I thank think you for, UCF, thank you for that. And I no, here's what I'm going to say. And I think UCF okay. is going to try to run the ball. <laughs> if I had to take a guess uh, with Mikey Keene, the freshman quarterback who except against Temple has struggled this year. I think you're going to see a lot of Isaiah Bowser and a lot of uh, Johnny Richardson. And I think it's going to be a, uh, not a super high scoring game necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I don't see where Tulane gets their points from either. And I see them allowing a lot of long, slow, like slow, no huddle touchdown drives, which is what Gus likes Mm -hmm. where he kind of methodically goes down the field on you. Uh, you know, UCF defense has allowed 14 points in the last two games, and seven of those mm. 14 points were uh, basically against the third stringers with 30 seconds left last week. Uh, this UCF defense is playing at an extremely, extremely high level. They forced seven turnovers the last two weeks. Tulane has a turnover issue. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, it doesn't matter. They, they like coughing the ball off. I don't see Tulane scoring more than 10 points on UCF at the bounce house on homecoming. Uh, I hate I just, that. I don't see it happening. I mean, the only reason they scored 12 points at home last week against Cincinnati was they had the uh, safety. And, you know, Cincinnati was yeah. half asleep. I don't think UCF will be half asleep for this game. No, I don't think um, so. What's the weather like in, cent- in Central Florida? Perfect. Oh, in November. In it's, November. Like perfect. it's perfect. So it's not going to be like humid or I mean, it'll be like, it's like summertime other places. It's like probably in the like low eighties. Usually it's still humid, but it's not like summer humid. And uh, you're a lot less likely to get rainstorms at this point. That's good. So whiteout uh, game mm -hmm. fans are encouraged to wear white for homecoming. That's nice. I know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But anyways, I don't see a way Tulane keeps it close to be honest. Yeah, I have. I yeah, I agree. I'm picking UCF. Obviously, at home, I'm not going to pick against the Knights. I think this is going to be. Yeah, I've always been on the gut. I like Gus Malzahn. I've always I love. You know, he's one of my favorite coaches to chat with. I was excited when he got this job. Um, it was just that Louisville game was tough. You know, you Louisville saw was a couple bad bounces, you know what I mean? And Dylan it was Gabriel, bad. Yeah. Gabriel breaking his collarbone on the last play is obviously the disaster right. of the so far because they probably beat Navy if they've got a Gabriel in to run the offense. It'd be different. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It just would. You know what I mean? And you hate to see that in Gus's first year, that kind it, of it's adversity. A tough but break. yeah. But you know what? Yeah. And there's a lot of other injuries too, not just Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. It's a full team sport. Um uh, based on what Gus said, it seems like Jalen Robinson is getting closer to being back, the wide receiver. That's good. Um, no real update on Gabriel yet. They're being very tight, close to the vest with that, but yeah. he looks better if you like see him on the sidelines and stuff yeah, like that. It's like, why He's would throwing he, there's no bit. way he comes back, right? From months. Not his throwing shoulder. I understand that, but at this point, uh, I'd love to see him come back this year because I think he's coming back next season. You know what I mean? So like, if he's good to go this year, like you have to I make guess. sure that's all established that this yeah. is your job. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. I know. Uh, you know what I mean? I just, I think there was a chance if Gabriel came out this year and was like putting up monster numbers in the second system away from hypels that he mm-hmm. would have gone pro, especially since it's a weak quarterback class, but with the broken collarbone, he's not going to I don't think you know what I mean I think he's yeah. going to come back and be like all right now let me show what I can do this time around <laughs> UCF is favored by 13 I think they go more than that yeah I think they cover that as yeah, well by a uh, lot like well over <laughs> yeah I think it's going to look something like 31 to 7 in that range in terms of that type of score Ugh, I hate it. it's making me Dad talking about this. So let's move Move on on to our prime time, 730 (laughs) at USF, USF back-to-back weeks on prime time for them. A little engine that could, (laughs) uh, (laughs) no, I mean, if SMU is hung over from a loss, Houston's gotta be hung over from the win. Right. You know what is funny about that? I've never really believed in the hangover, but now that I'm looking at the schedule this week, if there was one team I probably wouldn't want to play like that in a hangover, it might be South Florida. Do you know what I mean? Like in the sense that words and (laughs) then okay, let me say it like this. South Florida is not a team generally you'd have to worry about. Agreed. You know, this season's not their season. Everybody knows it. Yeah, that's it fine. Last year or the year before that. But. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but they have, you can't argue that they have made adjustments and gotten better in some areas that they needed to. So it's, they're not going backwards, I feel mm-hmm. like. They've actually improved. That. And we've we've they said that in multiple yeah, games. They're, they've been building a good base to build on going forward. They put together a good first half mm-hmm. against TCU, what is to stop them from putting together an even better half against Houston and giving them a little bit of a scare? And you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they have a complete game in them. So I don't think you have to worry about it over the course of the game, but I could foresee maybe one half or at least a quarter of fight. It's not inconceivable. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, they could come out. I mean, USF is a very good running team. I talked about this uh, last show, two shows ago. They've established in the past few weeks, hey, we can run the ball. We've got right. several good running backs who can be power on you. You know, Houston, they've got a very good defense and they're a very athletic defense, yeah. but they're coming off a big game. Like I just said, yeah. they might not be super interested in going and getting run into. You know, I mean, they're going to have to act like a brick wall against that, uh, you know, that running attack because I also don't think there's any chance USF can throw the ball on Houston. It doesn't matter who mm-hmm. they're playing at quarterback. Houston's, That's gonna, fair. Houston's got a great pass rush. They have locked down corners. They're not going to. That's fair. They're not going to do anything in the air. But, so but Jeff Scott is smart. Game, right. And, you know. and I think he will adjust. I think there, I, if there's, I'd be surprised if USF throws it a dozen times. I just <laughs> don't think that they're going to be interested. Like, I think the game plan is going to be, we're going to run first and second right. down and anything third and five or shorter. We're going to run it again. We're going to run it again. You know I, I, think mean? I think Houston, they got through, we talked about their schedule. They got through this like hump and now the rest of the season, USF Temple, Memphis, UConn. Okay. And you they have to be thinking like we got through this part and you, it's like a breath of air, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking this breath, but, but don't breathe too hard because you could have, you could have a bad game against teams. I don't think yeah, they're no. going to lose to USF, but I don't yeah. think we're going to see I mean, look at what they did with SMU in that first half. Mm-hmm. They 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 ran up, but then just completely they let them come back in. Yeah, so part of that's a credit to SMU's ability to be resilient as well, yeah, though. True. You know, 
<clears throat> I just like that USF has fight in them. So I, I think that they're. I agree. Like we've talked about USF and Temple a lot of times in the same breath because they're both. I think most people would agree that two bottom teams in the conference in terms of, you know, yeah. I do my power rankings every week. I usually put those two back there in some order, you know, maybe I'll sneak Tulsa back there or, you know, Navy at points this season has been back there. When Tulsa gets 60 dropped on them, you better put them down there. I've been moving them backwards slowly and steadily. <laughs> Good. Good. The thing is Tulsa had, does have three wins as well. I know Temple does too, but. Temple is worse than USF. I agree. Okay. Yeah. They played straight There's like up no hope there. It's sad. It's bad. It's sad. Say, it makes me sad. I know. I know you like Temple, but they're in a bad I like place. Temple. Yeah. They're in a dark place right now. They're just, they they're not in a good spot. Uh, anyways, I'm going to take Houston. Houston. Same. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a ton of debate about that. Um, so really our only disagreement is that first game Memphis SMU, SMU. Memphis. Yeah. This is how I protect my lead. Yeah, I see that, but I got to do something. So this isn't even really enough. Start getting weird. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm gonna look like a genius though if Memphis Memphis upsets. You, I mean, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I I don't think anybody's picking Memphis. I'll give you credit for that. I'll give you credit. I just feel like something weird's gonna happen. Like we're gonna get another one of those Calvin Austin weird plays. I don't know. Something weird's going to happen. These two, I think the last time they played at uh, the Liberty Bowl was the, uh, it would have been the time game day was there and it was a really, Mm -hmm. really good shootout between the two that Memphis won because SMU doesn't win big games. Um, Memphis has won the last three at home against SMU and they're three and one at home. That to me is the biggest thing right there where you could make the argument. Memphis is really good at home. I'm not going to deny that at all. They are. There's, There's no taking that away from them. I just don't, I just think that this year, Memphis has a lot more problems than they have in past years. And SMU is still very good, especially in offense. That's all. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Well, gonna, we'll see. We will. I'm going to transition us to a little bit of playoff talk. I know it's not your favorite. No, it's all right. Go for it. No, no, no. Uh, but so like, no, it's, no, not, no. <laughs> it's not your favorite. Like we were talking about before the show though, because it devalues the other bowl games. It devalues in a lot of respects teams that aren't in that conversation of five to six teams that could get in yeah. you know what i mean so i like, just think it's, it it's so specific yeah it takes away from the game as a whole and like i think there's the so game- much other football going on and it's like all of this attention is being derived to this mm-hmm. reveal show where do you really think that something's gonna be revealed that we didn't already know like those people out there hoping that cincinnati was gonna get in wake up they're just, I, I'm not, like Cincinnati is a good team. Mm-hmm. I don't realistically think that they could win two big games to win a national title against the top four right now. I think okay. the argument against then, this is from a UCF guy who raged in 2017 and 18, just absolutely raged against the playoff system. Um, and you guys just declared yourselves national champions and that was that. And it's uh, in the NCAA record book, so don't take that away. Yeah, it's, I have seen recognized. the banner. I've seen it. It's I've recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so why doesn't Cincinnati just do that? Like, hey, they, we're they in should. the playoff because frankly, we say that we are. Well, not in the playoff. National champions different. You they should just show up at the playoff <laughs> site and just play. They, just, they show up at the Cotton Bowl. Like, what's I don't. They're like, hey, we're here. Yeah, what's up? What are you gonna do? About Sabotage it? one of the team's buses and then show up and be like, well, since the other team's not here, like, we'll play. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Solved the problem. Georgia showed up and all their buses had slashed tires so they couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, get uh, creative, Bearcats. No, but the point that you're making, though, is correct. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you look at the game through, like, the AAC or the G5 lens, like, no, most of these teams are never going to get that shot at the playoffs. So you should look at the sport for other things. Like, you compete for conference championships first and foremost. That's part of why being in a conference is important to a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It gives you that opportunity to, this is what we're playing for at the end of the year, not a national championship because they're not going to let us in. It's why you put emphasis on bowl games, even if it's a small bowl game, like the Bahamas bowl or the cure bowl or, you know, insert. I want to go to the Bahamas bowl so bad. Kim and I are going to go this year. I mean, why would you not want to go? That's the thing is some of these bowl games are incredibly fun and mm-hmm. important to the teams in them. Are you going to go to the you know? LA bowl? No, I hate LA. So I love LA. I don't feel like that. I'm not much <laughs> I just, a but I, I, no, what but you're we, saying is, is what I, how I feel to, okay. for the most part. Yes. Now let's talk about this playoff. 
let's get real focused on it. Uh, Cincinnati came in in the initial rankings at number six. There are two teams with a loss in the uh, playoffs top four and another team at number five with a loss. Uh, at this point, you need to, we all take a deep breath. And there's a lot that we can say about how this is rigged against Cincinnati, which is true. There's a lot we can say about how it's just 13 old you know, people, old men for the most part in a boardroom with vested interest in playing power five teams ahead of G5 teams. I think there's women in there. There's only like one or two women, I think. Isn't Condoleezza Rice in there? She was in the initial one. They changed it every year, though. (laughs) They they flash on the uh, selection show, and there's a lot of men. I mean, I know it's it's old white guys for sure, but I know I feel like there is some women in there. There are a couple women, but like disproportionately men. Yeah, well, that's that's sports in general, so that doesn't surprise me. Fair enough, but like you get what I'm saying, where it's it's an old boys club that's keeping it with them, where they've got best interests they can hang there hats at the door, quote unquote, you know, if they want to, but it doesn't actually make for anything because they walk in there and they have a vested interest. Right. You know, and I, there's a lot I could say. I could point out that <clears throat> Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin are all ranked, but SMU, Houston, and UTSA are not ranked. I don't think that's right at all. I think that also disproportionately affects Cincinnati and Ohio State's resume in particular is it gives Ohio State a top 25 win and takes away potential top 25 games in the future from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That, to me, it matters. You know what I mean? Uh, it also gives Ohio State or Michigan State, whoever, or I guess Michigan too, technically, could still win the Big Ten East. It gives them a shot at a ranked team in the Big Ten Championship game, which, I'm sorry, Wisconsin should not be ranked. They're not a good football team. I know they're 5-3 and three and beat Iowa. They're not good. Iowa's offense doesn't really exist this year. It's not there right now where it needs to be and they got one for that minnesota lost to bowling green i can't forgive that i can't you know what i mean like if we're doing this like this like <clears throat> mississippi state at three losses is ranked 17th why because they beat AM, who has been you know had a backup quarterback and couldn't get 10 yards on offense the whole game i don't like the whole thing top to bottom bothers me so much and i know i shouldn't let it because of everything we just said of no, Cincinnati's not getting in the same way UCF was never going to be let in. Like mm-hmm. the odds are they're going to find a reason to jump Oklahoma ahead of them or Michigan ahead of them, or even Wake Forest ahead of them. Who's also getting screwed by this, by the way, because, you know, if Wake Forest name was Clemson, mm-hmm. they would be number two in the country and no one would bat an eye or mention their strength of schedule once, but they're Wake Forest. So they're getting the same, you're not in the club kind of squeeze that Cincinnati is or the rest of the AAC is. And it just, it bothers me so much how blatant it is. And I know I shouldn't let it because it's blatant every year and I should be used to it. And I am used to it. I just hate it so much. Yeah. You know, like Gary Barta went up there and said, we have great respect for Cincinnati and the Notre Dame win was impressive, but who else have they beaten? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just the reality is they're going to hit them with who else have you beaten through the conference championship game? And SMU and Houston aren't likely to be ranked through this whole process because, well, they decided that they don't want them to be ranked, which means they're never going to cast in top 25 one, which means the only thing that you have if you're Cincinnati is hoping Notre Dame goes 11 and one and like hoping that that's somehow enough to get you in, which it won't be. And I know things will quote unquote work themselves out around you. That should hypothetically mean you move up, you know, Bama is going to lose again. They're either going to lose to Auburn or Georgia. Like it's just, they're going to lose again. You know what I mean? Michigan mm-hmm. State and Ohio State, they have to play each other. Like, there's a chance Ohio State has two losses. Michigan and Ohio State have to play each other. You know what I mean? The, it'll, quote, unquote, work itself out, but it'll work itself out in a way where Cincinnati never gets into the top four. And that's just how it is. Yeah. That's how it's always, it was always going to be. Yeah. And, again, I wrote an article about how, like, if you want to know what the committee thinks of Cincinnati moving forward, uh, pay attention to where three teams in particular are ranked, Notre Dame, SMU, and Houston. When Notre Dame's number 10, which I could argue is too low for them, mm-hmm. and SMU and Houston aren't ranked at all. So that's them setting up the schedule for failure. And since it's them picking who's in the top 25 and then basing your standings in the top 25 based on the top 25, top 25 wins that they decided mm-hmm. that you have, it's just a system of just, you know, we're not trying to get an E rating, but it's not a good system. I was going to say a phrase I shouldn't say. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, like it's just, it's a bad system. You know, I could make the argument that Oregon has one good win against Ohio State, but where are there other good wins at? Because I see a not good loss, but mm-hmm. like the Pac-12 doesn't have any other ranked teams and they're still number four in this. You know what I mean? Like with a loss and no other ranked wins on the way. You know, yeah. So like, there's all these different arguments I can make as to why Cincinnati should be in ahead of each team that's ahead of them, uh, except Georgia, obviously, because Georgia's the best team this year, and you don't even really need a playoff to know that. <laughs> but, I'm going to go back to your point about this committee because prior to this, I had not looked at the committee this year. Mm-hmm. I will, I will be blatant about that. I did not I, know. I knew Gary Barta was in charge, but I didn't pay that much attention to the rest. Okay. So today. yes, he's in charge. The AD from Iowa, mm-hmm. right? That's who that is. So Big 10 ranked in the top 21. I okay. Believe. Let's okay. look at this here. I think, cause I think it's important for you to see this. So you've got Mitch Barnhart, who's the AD at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Gary Barta, who you mentioned, Paula Biovin, who is a professor at ASU female. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, then you've got Tom does it say Berman. She's a professor of. Uh, let's see. It does. Um, professor of practice, Wal- Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. First okay. female journalist to be named to the Arizona Sports Hall of Fame. Sure. So Works love that. Okay. And then we've got Tom Berman, who is the um, AD at Wyoming. So they're mm-hmm. Wyoming. Okay. Then we've got Charlie Cobb. Director of Athletics at Georgia State. Okay, so that's two. Yes. And then we've got uh, Boo Corrigan, Director of Athletics, NC State. Mm-hmm. Then, baby. then you've got Rick George, right. my man right. Rick George, who follows me on Twitter. Love the guy. Uh, <laughs> Director of Athletics at Colorado. So there's a little another Pac-12 action. Pac-12 thing. Then you got Will Shields, who's, who's not a, an AD or anything. Um, he is just, he in just his bio... I mean, no, he, he's a former All-American all, all offensive lineman and Outland Trophy winner. I mean, he's he's a member of the College Football yeah. Hall of Fame. He's a great player. But where it says current occupation says owns and operates a gymnasium and sports facility in Overland Park, Kansas. But <laughs> we love to see a person, especially of color, on, on there. So you've got That's Will Shields, who's a player. Love His perspective I'm not, is I'm not, I'm not doubting that he knows the game. I'm not. Right. So there you go. Okay, then you've got Gene Taylor, Kansas State Athletic Director, Joe Taylor, who is Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics and Community Wellness at Virginia Union University. Also um, African-American, which is great. You've got more people diverse. We've got a more diverse group than I thought. Uh, John Urschel, pursuing a PhD in applied mathematics from MIT, Dan. Pursuing a PhD in mathematics from MIT. Yes. Expected to complete it. Well, it said expected completion in 2020. So I don't know if that's maybe because <laughs> of the, I don't know what happened, the pandemic played professional football for three seasons, fifth round selection in the 2014 draft. He has a master's degree in mathematics from Penn state and a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Penn state. So you got to love a numbers guy. Well, on big there. connection. So that's why I'm here. Then, that's why the big 10 West has three teams in the top 20, whatever. Then you've got Rod West. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Tulane master's degree and Notre Dame bachelor's degree in mathematics. Big Notre Dame okay. guy. Yeah. But his current occupation group president, utility operations for energy corporation. And then the last guy is Tyrone Willingham, which and more Pac-12 bias for to, you. I, I don't think I need to explain <laughs> who that is to you. I, I, you um, don't need to explain to me, but I think most people are going to be like, huh? All right. Well, he's the he, guy who went 0 and 12 at Washington a few years back. If you're wondering then. <laughs> Coached at Stanford and Notre he, he Dame did as well. coach. He did coach at Stanford. I think that, yeah. So Stanford anyways, I, to Washington, yeah. I think this is actually a more diverse group than I had previously assumed. So that's on me for assuming that it was going to be a bunch of talking heads. I, I do feel like there's I said a, men, if I'm not mistaken, which we had one woman in that group. You said old white guys as well. But. Uh, I always say old white guys. Okay, well, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a diverse group. And I like that the different, they have different backgrounds. I like that. I'd be interested. I mean, I don't know what their, their football acumen is as a group total. Well, we but... know Ty Willingham's isn't disqualifying. <laughs> I think I'm... it's, I think it's better than I, 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 I like the group better than I did before I actually looked at them. Oh, I saw the rankings. And I dislike them. 
wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's not an easy job to get right. The biggest issue with the playoff committee selections is that it's not based on most deserving to get in. It's based on who they feel is the best, which always gives them leeway to say, well, but come on, Ohio state, they're probably better than Cincinnati say, you know I mean? They, they recruit better. They're probably better. They're usually better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And gives them that leeway to kind of find an excuse for Ohio state, but not find one for a G five team. And that's, that's yeah. the language of what the playoff is. That's just, just poorly done in my opinion you know what i mean yeah i think the biggest thing we could take away from this first ranking is that the committee valued head-to-head a lot they did so if that's going to be a theme moving forward then teams are going to have to think about that i guess but so if you're looking at that cincinnati's head against yeah go ahead go ahead no you go a great way to think about head-to-head is to never have to worry about it by not losing the game unlike three teams ahead of Cincinnati in the rankings. (laughs) You also need to be born into better situations. That's just, that's life, man. That's life. Yeah. No, I'm not. Some people have things and some people don't. Some people are born into it and some people are not. I'm not sitting here saying Cincinnati should or will make the playoff. I'm saying they should make the playoff if there was any justice in the world but there isn't. I don't, so I won't. don't know, but see, this is the thing is you're so focused on them. And and this is you as the colloquially, like the collective you y'all are so focused. I'm not saying Cincinnati is a bad team. They're not. Do I think that they're one of the top four teams in the country that can win two games to win a national title against other good teams? No, I do not think and that because year, they the do last, not okay. play good enough teams to be the best. They just don't. It's not their fault. But that's just the way the system is set up. Okay, so this is my point, though. If SMU and Houston were ranked, which they should be, they'd get a shot at both of them later in the year, uh, regular season in the presumed AAC championship game, correct? But they're giving Ohio State these ranked games against a team like Minnesota, who's got no business being ranked, and against, let's say, Wisconsin in the conference championship game, who has no business being ranked. And they're saying, oh, well, they've got all these ranked wins, but they're deciding who's ranked and who isn't. They're deciding based on preconceived notions of who these schools are and who these programs are, what they should be, because you're focused too much uh, on, on the rankings. You're focused way too much on what value people are placing on teams. And you're not looking at what the teams are doing on the field. I am looking at that too. Absolutely. Ohio State is a better team than Cincinnati on the field. That's right. just what no, it is. I mean, they just struggled at home with the Penn State team who lost to Cincinnati Illinois. Cincinnati struggled at Tulane in the first half with the team they should have no business struggling against. I mean, 31 to 12 is still a pretty wide margin of victory. They ended up doing okay, but that first half was bad, was it, it was. not? It was bad. I'm not I watched the game. I know what happened in it. I'm just saying like but say, you're but you're not allowing your bias I mean, here. Okay, how about this? Ohio State played a terrible first half against Tulsa. Where's the talk about that? They did. They won by basically the same margin that won by basically the same margin that Tulane beat. Uh, sorry, that Cincinnati beat Tulane. And, and yes. just to me, like you and but again, you you're looking at numbers because I, you're looking like I, you're I not listening. I am. Listening. What I'm. What I'm saying is of the teams I've seen play in person, okay? I've seen these teams play in person. I think it's different in person than it is on TV. I really do. And that's not, I can't. You know, I'm like, not disagreeing with that at all. It's hundred percent. It's just true. Like, and it's the eye test. It's the same thing that happened to, um, to the uh, Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback. Mm-hmm. People did not see him play in person. They did not stand next to the man and realize that this dude is going to be an NFL guy. Like he's going to be the best of that class because they didn't see him in person. So for me, you cannot judge a team until you've seen them play in person, whether it be their best game or their worst game, you can still see how they adjust in game, how it's happening in real mm-hmm. time, what they look like athletically up close. Mm-hmm. Those are very, variables that cannot be measured in rankings and wins and losses and all those things. They're intangible. I know that they're intangible, but what I'm saying is like, first off, Gary Barna and the rest of the playoff committee, they're not watching these games in person either for the most part, unless it's their team. And I think they should. So that's my, that's completely fair. My point's more like if we're going to do it like this, which clearly we are as a system, this is how it's going to be decided. You do need to like 
If you want to buy into it, then yes. I'm not buying into it. And for the purpose of Cincinnati, I'm buying into it and making the argument for them. You know, on the grand scheme of things, I completely under, I don't think they're making the Mm -hmm. playoff. And like, but I'm saying, like, I think that if we're going to do it like this, there's reasons why they should be in the top four. And it doesn't matter if they can't beat Georgia because no one can beat Georgia. It does matter because if you're going to be one of the top four teams in the country, you have to compete against top no, talent but look and at, they cannot. Well, look at no, they can't Dame. beat Georgia. What's the point? Can they get close? Well, how what, close are they going to get? How many close games in the semifinal round have there been? Like two the whole time that we've had the playoff. And I have not Florida agreed. Florida State couldn't play close. I, I have not agreed year. with those games. That Notre is my Dame's premise for all of this. Twice, like, Oklahoma That's my premise. Most years, you know what I mean? Like, this is my premise. You're just proving my point. This is well, exactly what your, I'm saying. Your points bring back the BCS. My point is, that I don't buy into any of this stuff unless you can show me four teams that can actually like deserve to be there, which I don't know that we can every year. But Cincinnati doesn't get a pass just because they're power five. I mean, group of five. Well, no, here's you my want thing. to believe in them because they're the underdog and everybody wants to root well, for I them. I believe in access. And That's break what down I norms. In. What I believe in is everyone should have equal access to the end of the year tournament that you're putting together to say this is who the champion will be because the sample size in the sport is too small to truly say who's the best because you don't get to see Ohio state play anyone in the sec this year. Maybe Ohio state's better than Georgia and we're just not going to see it. And we are discrediting Penn state too much and discrediting, you know, Minnesota too much because they, you know, had a bad day against Bowling green, but we'll never see them play an sec team this year. And we'll never see Georgia play a game North of the Mason Dixon line. Cause they refuse to frankly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, they play Notre Dame once, but you know what I mean? Like they just very rarely travel outside of their region for games. Right. The sample sizes are so small in this sport yes. that you need to have access to everyone, including the group of five in the current system, the way it's designed keeps them from having any access to it whatsoever. It, it's only going to get why worse. To, that's why I need to expand it's... with an automatic qualifier for the group of five or whatever with conference realignment, who knows what's going to actually be called or look like, but for those mid-major level teams. college football is predicated on the have and have nots it just is it is absolutely you can't fix that with with the cincinnati team in the playoff you just can't no you won't fix it with just one cincinnati team in the playoff i'm saying it's like people want to they want to believe that that's going to bridge the gap and fix everything and it's not well you they want to believe that once the glass barrier is broken for one g5 team it will for the rest that's what the belief or the hope is, I think. For and I honestly people. think it would backfire more than it would help. Well, I don't think that anyone wants to be the four seed this year, if we're being honest, because <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you put Michigan State there, if you put yeah. you know Ohio State there, Oregon there, whoever plays Georgia is going to get destroyed. And, you know, yeah. I just it's fine. Georgia's the best team in the country by far this year. Like, and we know that, but the semifinals are never close games to begin with. So like, there's like one or two through like go back and look at it throughout the history of the college football playoff. There's like one or two worthwhile uh, semifinals. I've been at most. I've been at them. I I, I understand. They're not good games. Usually. I don't know that, that my argument, Washington, Alabama that year, that was a great game. (laughs) The PAC 12 is not traditionally done well when it comes to this, (laughs) to this stuff. So, but this Oregon team, I'm telling you when I saw them play Ohio state, there's so much talent and speed and athleticism on them. The Stanford game is tough because Stanford has not like they weren't bad. Okay. They were not a bad Stanford team, but they have now since suffered just debilitating injuries. All their wide receivers yeah. since that game have gone down and Tanner McKee's not strong enough to lead the team he's without any he's receivers. Not, he's fine, but he's not going to stand out. To you right. Yet. And, and they, they don't have a run game. David Shaw yeah. refuses to do that and it's, David Shaw refuses to do a lot of things yeah he does so and and Stanford beating Oregon is part of my problem with that is like for what just to ruin the Pac-12 it's, it's just get you. why well I think in the same vein why does Oregon let all these Pac-12 teams that are inferior to them hang around like they let UCLA do it 100% you know what I mean like they let Cal hang around I bet they're gonna let Oregon yeah. State hang around you know what I mean? Like the Pac-12 is, it's just crazy. And that's why I used to make this argument that it's one of the best, if not, I argue with David Pollock about this, about it being the best conference of college football, because statistically, and then if you, not the last two years, but prior, you could make this argument because every game is a tough game. 
for mm-hmm. the teams that play each other because the bottom teams still have four or five wins. Oregon State was at the bottom. They still mm-hmm. had four wins and you can't sleep on them. It's not like you go in the SEC where you're like, oh, we're going to Vanderbilt this week, you know, or like what Arkansas used to oh, be. Or- in all fairness, we're going to Arizona this week. They're not good. They're really bad. Yes, there was a time not that long ago, but, though, when they had Khalil Tate and there was hope. And then it, I got, yeah, you know what hired, I mean? So uh, I'm talking about like a couple years back, like prior yeah. to COVID, prior to, to that. Well, yeah, no, I know what you mean like if you go in the SEC right now, Vanderbilt, uh, South Carolina, Missouri, none of them are yeah. any good. Right. You know, what I mean, I think Mississippi State's highly overrated right now. You know, what right. I mean, I don't believe in the air raid that much. To be honest, I think it's oh, been boy. figured out pretty well. Well, um, yeah, you know it's coming. It's just like how how much can I you mean, fend it off? Ole is... Miss is a one trick pony. They don't have a yeah. defense to speak of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so that's LSU's my thing a joke. Like, LSU's a disaster right now. They've got talent, but they're a disaster. People like, I, mistake, I get what you're saying. The people mistake the, the Pac-12. People mistake the Pac-12's cannibalism for weakness. I don't think that's traditional. Now I'm not going to speak for last year and this year. Cause these are, I don't, it's down years, but prior to that, I think people mistook it for that. And I don't, that's not what it was. It's, the, it's good talent and good teams competing every weekend in the, hard environments. The year in year out, at least again, through the playoff lens mm-hmm. issue with the PAC 12 is they don't have a team that stands out. The ACC cannibalizes itself too, except it's always mm-hmm. had, either Florida Clemson. state or Clemson in the past yeah. decade who have been able to run the table and let everything right. else behind them cannibalize itself. You right. know, USC has not been that Oregon's no. not been able to take that step to that level. Washington flat, like you thought for a little bit there, they could do it with Chris Peterson and they weren't Stanford able to do it. Tried to be for a while and yeah, they so all have tried, but they, yeah, they're because they there's no Alabama. It's not a real conference, right? Well, yeah, there, there's not that one team that dominates. Right, and I know that's the biggest. Problem, it would help them a lot if USC was really good, but I don't see it happening. Not at least in the next couple of years. Not for a while. You know and I now mean? I don't know who that team is. Oregon's the only one. Yeah, that, I mean, like I mean, yeah, I, I think Stanford's of, not. USC's not. I think I there's don't. really three schools in the Pac-12 that you can look to and say these three should be consistently good at football. Mm-hmm. I think they're USC, Oregon, and Washington. Frankly, and Washington's a disaster mm-hmm. right now. I do. I think Washington, it, Seattle's a pretty good location for that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's debate to be had. I think they've got really good history. I think they've got a, you know good resources, a beautiful stadium. And frankly, they've got recent success. They've got a trip to the playoff in you yeah. know, the modern era. Like they've The Peterson the era, though, is sullied by a lot of what went on. And I, I, mean, I don't know. The thing is, I don't know. Peterson had a cap to what he's able to do as a mm-hmm. coach, I think. And he I walked think, away from it because of how it went too, though. That's the thing is like the well, culture there is not good. And the the and high the school cult, recruiting culture you, is not good. No. But no, and you need someone who can fix that. But I'll tell you, the culture is really bad at a place like LSU. That's got a million title nine lawsuits yeah. or a place like Auburn, yeah. where there's like coups to overthrow Gus Malzahn by the defense coordinator. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the culture at Tennessee is terrible too. And those places don't get told, Oh, you should never be good. Cause you've got, infighting issues you know what i mean <laughs> well because i'll tell you this because football in the south they're, y'all they're better at hiding it they're better at keeping i don't think it. they're better at hiding yeah. i think they just don't care as much i think it, it, whatever it is they're able to get past it there's well, yeah, like I think they like don't it, have to the moral the title, compass that the, to use the title nine at lsu is like an example they just don't care by and large like they'll just hide the yeah. lawsuits as best as possible right. and do their best to like cover up and no one really minds that much if that's what they're doing. Like, I get that. It's too moral. Eventually somebody finds out and tells somebody and then, then it gets out and it gets, so it's whatever. Anyways, we, that's, that's a tangent. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's people are going to be upset. I'm not going to go on Twitter for like 24 hours. till this clears out every Tuesday night. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, no, See y'all, uh, see y'all Wednesday night. <laughs> uh, did you see the video UMass Athletics put out? It was like a 10-minute video with their athletic director, Ryan Bamford, talking about all yeah. what they were doing for conference realignment. Oh, it was good. He had this whole little pamphlet that they sent to Conference USA. He held it up. It looked like a book report you did overnight. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was terrible. It's, uh, all of this stuff is so sad. Like, it's it's just a crazy time bad. in college football. It, yeah, it's... It, it's, We're just trying to get through it, you know? We're just trying to get through the season at this point. Uh, I just had a notification on my phone, by the way, that headline read, snub to Cincinnati, an 
bearable. Get it? Like bear cats. I love it. I think that's where we should end. You can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. I'm M-L-M, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on Twitter and Instagram. And here's my question to leave you guys with. Why is Cincinnati ambitious? So I saw them described as ambis- ambitious, unbeaten Cincinnati. God. Wait, who what? described where them? Does like the, am- where does the ambition, what does it because mean to be Because they want to make the playoff? Because Doesn't everybody? Didn't you say everybody wants to make the playoff? That is the end goal, you would think. You so want, everyone wants ambitious. Everyone wants access to it, like, why is that feels like a condi- that feels very condescending like oh nice try guys i see you working hard over there now let's Cincinnati go fans, i want to hear from you why are you guys ambitious why is your team ambitious i want to know please tweet at me accordingly Cincinnati would be michigan state if we're doing a head-to-head thing by the way we're done here 